live and festive in the Publix Holiday Headquarters studio at WSB. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 7.07 on a Saturday morning, 26.5 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful in your landscape and to tell you whatever you need to know about the plants that are green, brown, growing, not growing. If you have questions about house plants, particularly this time of year, since not many of us are going to go out and garden this afternoon. If you have questions about what to do about fertilizing your African violet or your new poinsettia, how to care for that, what to do about the Christmas tree that you just bought for the first time and you want to know how to keep the Christmas tree fresh, if you have questions about that, here's the number. 404 Or, by the way, you can, if you have a Twitter account, you can Twitter questions to me at hashtag AskWalter. Just if you have a Twitter account, just sign in and put hashtag AskWalter and ask any question on Twitter. Ashley will keep an eye on that and we'll um, read your question on the air and we'll answer it by Twitter or by sort of a combination of Twitter and radio. All right, 404-872-0750 or hashtag AskWalter on Twitter. It being this cold, it reminds me that there are two things that I have in my memory about cold, cold, cold weather. And growing up in rural, rural Fayette County, where I grew up, one of them would be, this would be the day that my father would decide, it's time to put the little Christmas crash out by the highway. Now, the Christmas crash has Jesus and Mary and there were a little baby and Joseph and the shepherds and a little sheep that was made out of styrofoam and wood and a bunch of lumber that we sort of throw up to make the little stable and things like that. But inevitably, it would be the kind of thing that you think, last week it was 60 degrees, Daddy. Why didn't we do it then? No, we're going to do it today. It's 22 degrees outside. It's sleeting, so we're going to do it today. So we would go and we would get the Christmas crash stuff together, get the lumber, get the sheep, get the Jesus and Mary statues made out of plywood. We'd get everything put together and bang it into the ground out by the highway. The ground would be frozen and we'd bang it into the ground to have the Inman Methodist Church Christmas crash put outside. The other thing that I remember about temperatures in this, this low in the, in the wintertime was probably not at 20 26 degrees as it is right now, but when it gets lower than 26 degrees, when it gets down into the teens and perhaps even a little bit lower than that, which it did regularly, it seems to me, back in the 50s, was that our pump would freeze. And there's nothing more devastating to a family with five children and three adults living in one house than the pump to freeze overnight. And in order to get the pump unfrozen, you'd have to go out and climb inside the well house, this little concrete block structure with a hot heat lamp and just shine it onto the pump until the pump and the pipes and everything around it froze, unfroze well enough that the pump would come on and pump some water from underground to feed the faucets and the little washing machine and all the things we needed inside the house. But inevitably, of course, it would be the kid's duty, because I'm the small one, smaller than my father anyway, to jump over inside the inside the well house with the heat lamp and to shine it onto the motor of the pump and onto the pipes around it so that they did not freeze any more than they were. 
because if they were frozen, then the other thing would be pipes going up to the chicken house. How do you unthaw pipes going up to the chicken house, one of which had to go across this ditch about eight feet wide, I guess, and sometimes that pipe would freeze? You just get newspaper, just get a big old roll of newspaper, light it up with a match, and flame it, just roar back and forth and back and forth and back and forth until finally you hear Daddy up at the chicken house saying, all right, it's thawed out now. And so you throw the uh, throw the newspaper away, stomp out the flames, and now you got water for a thousand chickens and your cows and everybody else. That is what I remember about cold weather, putting up the Christmas crash and thawing pipes and pumps. Elizabeth is in Atlanta. Elizabeth did not grow up in the country, but she has a question about gardening anyway. Hey, Elizabeth, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. How can I help? Uh, I just recently had some trees cut in my yard. Yeah. And uh, my yard was left just like a field. Yeah. And since the recent rain, it's washing. Mm. And I was wondering, should I uh, plant grass, fescue grass now, or should I wait till spring? I've been told both ways, and I'm not sure really what I should do. But the yard is washing, and I did have fescue. So I'm wondering if I should mix it with rye, or what should I do? I'm the only one you have to listen to, Elizabeth. Don't listen to anybody else. Anybody else, they're wrong. They don't know what they're talking about. Listen to me. (laughs) <laughs> I'll tell you what to do. It is true that ryegrass germinates a little faster than fescue grass does in cold soil. Not a lot, but a little bit. And so you want to hold that soil. It's washing away. I mean, all your dirt is washing down the hill and into the driveways and down the street, so we got to get the dirt held together. And for that, ryegrass is great. The downside of ryegrass is it dies in May or June when it gets hot. It all dies away. You don't have any grass left. So you mix them together. You mix a little bit of rye with a little bit of fescue and use that mixture to seed. And so the rye comes up. It makes sort of a nursed grass for the fescue to come up. And Elizabeth is happy and her neighbors are too. So the ratio I mentioned to a caller earlier this morning is around two to three. Two parts of ryegrass to three parts of fescue. So the sequence that I described to him, I'll describe back to you, is first you figure out how many thousand square feet you have in your lawn. This place it's all torn up from the trees coming down. And um, if it's, let's say, 4,000 square feet, just for fun, Elizabeth, let's say 4,000 square feet. So the typical rate of seed is about five or six pounds per thousand. So if it's 4,000 square feet, six pounds per thousand, so that means about 24, let's round it up to 25 pounds. We need 25 pounds of seed. And of that, we want to make a ratio of around two to three. So 25 pounds of seeds put about, what do you say, 12 pounds of uh, ryegrass and 13 pounds. No, that would be less than that. 10 pounds of ryegrass seed and 15 pounds of, of fescue. And that spread over the whole area and covered a little bit with wheat straw and pray for a little rain Monday and Tuesday. And lo and behold, Elizabeth has a lawn when it comes up next, uh, next week time sometimes. Okay, one other question. Do I don't need to put any topsoil down before that, do I? Don't forget that eventually somebody's going to wish, and I'm thinking of your 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 grass roots right now. The grass roots are going to wish somebody had given them a way to grow deeply in the ground. One of the biggest hindrances of fescue lawns during the summer, when it's hot and it's July, it's 90 degrees for three weeks in a row. The hindrance to fescue is shallow roots. When they can't get down more than a couple of inches, fescue just turns brown when it gets hot in the summer. And oh. so if there's a way to put some topsoil down, and even better would be to mix it in with the existing clay soil and then put the seed mixture on top of that, that would be terrific. That would be the best case scenario. If yep. you just don't have the best case scenario, Elizabeth, you do what you can and you see what happens. 
Thank you so much. All right. It's great Bye. talking to you, Elizabeth. Thanks for calling. All right. Bye-bye. 14 minutes past the hour gives Mary and Lawrenceville her turn to join us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Mary. Yes. Hi. How are you? Hi. I'm great. How can I help? I have a quick question for you. About three weeks ago, we planted some collards, broccoli, and cauliflower plants yeah. in the backyard of a house that's about 40 years old. So we've had a lawn back there. Uh-huh. And um, the top of the ground was about three to five inches of soft soil, I guess. Nice. Grass mixture over the years. Sure, And then it good. got down to that Georgia clay. And what's the question? And the, um, the plants are not doing very much. Hmm. You know, we've watered it, and then the recent rains came and yeah. helped us out some. We didn't put down any kind of fertilizer or soil. Tell you know, me again, how long ago you planted them, Mary? It's about three weeks. It's um, It was November 19th. Ah, ah, ah. A lot of my garden, vegetable garden friends are raising their hands to answer this question and saying, it <laughs> was a little late there, Mary. Yes, you should have yes, done it earlier than that. Yes, yes. And we knew that that was the challenge. So we just wanted to get an idea of what would be next. Uh, very slow growth on all the vegetables is next because the soil soil is just too too cool for the root systems to to grow very fast. Okay. Yes, I know it was it was dry and didn't have any rain back six and eight and ten weeks ago. But the real time to plant broccoli, collards, cauliflower, things like that would have been back in mid to late September, perhaps when the soil was still warm. And you yeah. can water vegetables anytime you want to. There's no rules ever on watering vegetable gardens. So you could have planted early and watered it, and now you'd be calling to say, guess what, Walter, my collars are two feet tall, and my broccoli has a great big head on it. It's nice. Um, but the good news is, Mary, they still yeah, that's, grow. That's the part I was waiting for. It'll they still, still grow. grow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still, Even though it's cool, they'll be very slow about growing. And what I would do for fertilizer is go to um, go to a pike or a garden center someplace and get some, it's called uh, Osmocote, Osmocote, O-S-M-O-C-O-T-E, Osmocote. And it is a granular fertilizer, but there's a couple of labels on it, and the one with a pink label is the one you want, okay. pink, pink. Okay. And the reason you get Got the it. pink stuff is because it has a fertilizer that works better in cool soil than the blue label and the green label does. So ah. pink label Osmocote, go out there and it'll tell you how much to put per broccoli and how much for your row of collards and all that. And you put it down, you water it in, and lo, a couple of weeks from now, you look out and say, look, the collards are taller than they used to be. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> Feed okay. them. Okay. So just get feed them and just let them grow and yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Okay. I okay. mean, there's no need to protect them. If it got down to five degrees, I want Mary out there covered with a sheet after all this work. But unless it's really, really cold, there's no need to cover them. The temperatures right now, 25 degrees, it's not going to hurt anything at all. Okay. And we're hoping it'll stay a little bit warm up until about January. Yeah. Fingers crossed. I think we'll be fine. Okay. Wonderful. Okay, thank you so much. All right, Mary, great talking to you. Thanks for calling. Okay, bye-bye. It's 18 minutes past the hour. Next half hour, Anthony and Winder, idea foundation shrub that stays green all the time. We'll find out about that. And Greg and Marietta wants to know about solidifying the dirt around his new home. You can ask questions by Twitter at hashtag AskWalter. We'll be back after this. 
This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. I was in a store yesterday near the front door. The door opened up and a woman looked at me and said, Honey, you're just wearing a t-shirt and a hoodie. Aren't you cold? I said, Yes, ma'am, I am cold, as a matter of fact. But I'm going out to have a warm car in just a minute if you'll finish ticking it up on the cash register right here. It's cold right now. It's going to be just 26 degrees right now in the 40s this afternoon. Overnight lows in around 30 degrees, we think, but clear and cold all day long. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB, and it is not t-shirt and hoodie weather. It is t-shirt, hoodie, and jacket weather to be outside right now. Anthony in Winder, Georgia joins us. Hey, Anthony, good morning. Hi, Walter. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How can I help? Uh, I have some, uh, I believe they're a box-type shrub in the front of my house. I believe they're a type of um, uh, boxes. Okay. I'm not sure if they're Japanese, English, or what. I don't, yeah. I'm not sure. All right. But the problem I'm having is uh, before it started getting really cold and we had the drought, uh, normally my my hedges, they stay green all year long. They don't flower. They have oval-shaped leaves. Awesome. But they some of them in certain sections started turning brown and drying out like yeah. almost completely in yeah. other areas they're not it does sound like the behavior of, of a boxwood mm-hmm. of one of the boxes species mm-hmm. so boxwoods are tough to diagnose if you really want to know the answer sometimes i'm not able to put my finger on exactly what it is that caused it i'll tell you the two main weaknesses of a boxwood plant which is one too much water and two too little water they have very shallow root systems, and so if they get doused by rain or dried out by drought, then boxwoods tend to die away limb by limb, just as you described. But saying exactly, is it a volutella blight? Is it one of the leaf spots on there that cause that limb to die? It's hard to know which one exactly, but I'll tell you the diagnosis almost always is, number one, check your water. Make sure the gutter's not leaking or make sure there's some water going on during the dry weather. And number two, prune out the dead part and call it a day. That's all you can do. Prune out the dead part, say that's it. Hopefully it'll grow back. Okay. Thank you, sir. All right. Great talking to you, Anthony. Sorry I don't have a more exact answer than that. Hoy, let's talk a little French here. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden right after news. Live and festive in the public's holiday headquarters studio at WSB. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 736, 26 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful in whatever you want to do outdoors, or if you want to stay warm and inside, that's probably the better thing to do. 
If you have questions about your house plants, about your African violet, about your poinsettia. By the way, one of the greatest reasons for poinsettias to drop all their leaves is too much water around the base of the plant. It has foil, mostly. Most poinsettias, of course, come with foil around the base. Don't water it so much that the foil fills up with water. Better yet, take the foil off, put the pot on a saucer so the water can drain through the poinsettia and doesn't accumulate around the bottom of the plant because that will surely lead to root rot. And root rot is what causes lots of poinsettias to go away. If you have a question on Twitter, you can just go hashtag AskWalter and you can ask questions on Twitter as well. We go to the phones. Greg is in Marietta and Greg joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Greg. Good morning. Hello, Walter. Thank you for t taking the call. We're my wife and I are having a house built up in Jasper, yeah. and it's a very heavily wooded area. And there has been no other vegetation. Now that we've disturbed the land, uh, it's almost like a black powder wow. of the dirt. And so we're trying to figure out what our next steps are to start maybe helping the vegetation growing on this uh, soil. Tell me more about the black powder. I don't hear soil described that way a lot, so tell me what it's that just, means. It's just so, um, I, I guess it's been layered and layered of leaves and uh, mm. everything on top of it. Yeah. And it was probably like about four inches of leaves and, you know, uh, growth on top, you know, just uh, layers of uh, yeah, uh, leaves on top of everything, sure. and so there's been no other vegetation other than the trees growing in that area. So that sounds uh, like, to most of us, that would sound like nice black topsoil that the plants would love to grow in, right? It is, but I, I don't know if what's the next step, if if it's just straight soil, there, or should I have it tested, or um, what would be uh, the best thing for starting the lawn, starting... Um, growing plants. And All right. Well, let's, let's talk about your plans. What, in your vision of what the house is going to look like and the landscape around the house, is it going to be lawn with a few shrubs or just a, lots of native plants and trails between uh, them? Or what more, are you going native, to do? Uh, more native and uh, just some kind of lawn. Uh, basically, it's a, a log home. All right. Type book, so we're okay. just trying to keep that nat uh, natural, uh, natural look. The first step, always, is thinking about where you want your hardscapes to be, because that determines to a great extent how you're going to place your shrubs, where you're going to put your lawn, how you're going to sort of make the overall approach to the house look. So you know where your driveway is, you know that, if there's going to be a walk from the drive to the front of the house or some other hardscape thing, a wall maybe, it's on a slope, and so you know there's a, a wall going to be installed in the front of the house to keep the erosion from happening, whatever the hard thing hardscaping is going to be, that's the first thing to draw out for yourself. Okay, we're going to have a wall here. There's going to be a walk here. This driveway is over this way. Done. All right. Now, once that has happened, then you decide, how much lawn do I really need? Realizing that the more lawn you have, the more maintenance you have, the more water, the more fertilizer, the more stuff <laughs> that brings along with it. So emphasizing more shrubs and trees and less lawn is the way I generally advise people to go. You don't have to have a two-acre lawn. You can have four or five hundred square feet and have a very nice little green lawn in the sunny part of the yard and surround that with native shrubs and, and, and perennials and things that look nice and don't require all the work and the hassle that a lawn does. 
So once you have done the hardscape, and once you've said, okay, this area between the house and this part over here is going to be the lawn. Okay, we draw that out on a little piece of paper. Okay, now what do we want, honey? What do we want now? And then you start going to plant lists, and you can go to nurseries up in North Georgia. You can go to my website and look up native plants, and they'll have a list of native plants that do really well in most places in North Georgia. And uh, figure out about how big they are and sort of draw circles. Eh, we're going to have a native holly right here. We're going to have some uh, uh, lacothwe over here in the shade. We're going to have some uh, 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 ferns in this direction underneath the tree that we left in the front yard. And so then you draw circles and you say, okay, this is what I want to do here. As far as the soil itself, which I know that was your first question, Greg, as far as what to do about the soil, it sounds like you have pretty good soil there. And when you dig holes for your trees and your shrubs and things of that nature, it doesn't sound like you need to add much of anything to it. If you want to do a soil test from your local UGA, UGA extension office, that's fine. Um, but my bet is you're going to be in great shape as far as soil goes. I guess since it's just been covered for so long that it just the um, it, it, that's why it was just so dusty. I mean, if yeah. you just step on it, it it's like a, a powder, but I guess but not now. After the rain, it's not going to powder mm -hmm. No, I haven't been up there yet, so go up there tomorrow and see. Yeah, it's going to be matted down. The only time that you maybe want to mix that top couple-inch layer of black stuff with clay underneath would be if you have a lawn, I think that would be probably a good idea to till things up and mix things together in that area where the lawn's going to be. But most of the time, native plants can be planted in native soil with the black layer on top and the clay layer underneath, and the roots of a native plant tend to be pretty shallow. They spread out real far, and that's how they adapt to a woodland, mountainous type of situation. So I don't necessarily think you're going to have to dig the soil much other than maybe in the lawn area. Wonderful. I know there's an extension agent up in Jasper, so yeah, I'll sure reach is. out to them, too. So, Thank you. All right. Great talking to you, Greg. Thanks for calling. You Good are. luck with that house. And by the way, if anybody wants to contact your local University of Georgia extension agent, University of Georgia has an office available to every state in Georgia, and there's a magic number you can dial that will get you connected to your local master gardeners and university extension office, part of the university system. The magic number, 1-800-ASK-UGA, and the number 1, ASK-UGA-1. And you can leave a message, and a Master Gardener will call you back on Monday morning. Al is up in Adairsville, and Al joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Al, hey, good morning. Hey. Good morning, Walter. Thanks for taking my call. What you got? I just had a bunch of pine trees cut, about 14 pines, and some of them are like probably close to 20 inches in diameter and yeah. a couple of poplars. What would be the best thing to try to get rid of the stumps? A stump grinder. Grinding them. Yeah, well, the best thing is to hire a stump grinder to come out there and yeah. do it. Um, there's not a magic. I know, yeah, no, Al, that you can go to the hardware store and buy this little box of powder or the bottle of powder. They say drill holes in the stump and put the powder in the holes, and in you know, six months it'll decompose right. the stump. It will not do that. Just take my word for it. It will not do that. And many okay. times what it says to do is to, once you have let it soak in, when it gets dry, set a fire in it. Put some charcoal on it and set a fire. Not a good right. idea because you can start more <laughs> fires and the smolders down in the middle of the stump. You don't know that it's still burning down there. And you go off and you come back and your whole yard's on fire and problems with right. setting the stump on fire. Right. Uh, the only problem so, is probably hard to get a grinder back where some of them are, you know? 
Because so, there's a fence or a gate or a sloped or why? Uh, it's just a lot of no access to the hardly to the backyard. There are small I mean, grinders. Yeah, you, they could. I guess get a small grinder. Yeah, there's. I'll, I'll get somebody to check and get somebody to come over and look at them. You know. Yeah, they're little self-propelled grinders that can go through a three or three and a half uh, foot wide gate pretty easily. They're self-propelled. They got wheels. They go back there. They don't have great big grinding heads on them. But they can go yeah. through gates and get to places that the truck with a tow-behind grinder could not get to at all. So right. if you want yeah. fast and flat, then get a grinder. Don't depend on these uh, stump ritter getter decomposer right. chemicals. They're not going to work. Okay. Well, can I ask you one more question? Yeah, if you got time, i got time. Go okay. ahead. All right. I've got a bunch of wisteria that comes from the edge of the woods. It just runs these runners right across the yard. Yeah. What's, does Roundup work pretty good on that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You heard me hesitate there. If you don't get the whole plant, you'll never kill all the all the wisteria just using Roundup. I mean, you'll set it right. back, and it will not invade your yard for another six months, but eventually Al's going to look out there and say, hey, honey, look, the wisteria's coming again. Yeah. Um, so Roundup is as good as anything else. Brush Be Gone is another product. Or there's Roundup with Brush Be Gone in it. You can get that if you want to. But if you don't kill the plant that's on the other side of the yard, it's back in the woods, it's sending the runners out, you're not going to get permanent control without doing that. Right. Okay. All right. All right. Well, All right. We'll see you soon All now. Right. Thanks for calling. Thank okay. Ms. Ashley Frasca, do we have a Twitter question? We sure do. All right. Remember, you can Twitter. You can tweet questions to me. Just hashtag AskWalter if you have a Twitter account. So what's what's going on? Let me find Richard. Richard uh, tweeted at us just under 30 minutes ago, said I was too ill to prune back my crepe myrtle last winter, hmm. and it had more blooms on it than ever this past summer. So now I'm debating whether or not to prune it. I think Richard needs to listen to Mother Nature because Mother Nature has told him something that is answering his question right there. If he didn't prune it last winter and it bloomed real great in the summer after that, then he wants to know whether he should prune it this winter. My answer is no, don't prune it. If it's blooming great, if there's some reason that you have to prune it because it's too big, it's in front of the house, it's by the driveway, yes, you can prune a crepe myrtle. They're going to bloom no matter what you do to them. They look pretty ugly if they're whacked back with a chainsaw. I just think that's ugly, ugly, ugly. But if you want to do it and need to do it because of some physical reason for doing it, yes, you can prune a crepe myrtle, and you can do it any time between now and the end of February. It'll still bloom. If you want my honest opinion about what looks nice on a crepe myrtle, it's called pencil pruning, or I call it finger pruning. You prune everything that's thinner than a pencil or thinner maybe than your little finger, prune that away. And then when it gets bigger than your finger and bigger than a pencil, then you leave that on the tree. And what you end up doing, if you take away some of the sprouts down at the bottom, uh, you end up with a nice sort of vase-shaped, V-shaped thing, narrow at the bottom, a little bit wider at the top, spreads out. Looks nice for the wintertime. It's not whacked off with a chainsaw kind of look with the murder that some people so deeply adhor. But you can uh, prune a crepe myrtle a little bit, but if you need to prune one, yes, you can. Just do it with some thought beforehand. If you don't need to prune it, man, it's going to look great in the summer. It's 748. We'll be back after this. 
This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I'm on now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. I'm on an Yeah, we're letting Nathaniel Rightliff warm us up a little bit. Bring him up, but oh, come on, come on, come on, Jason. We're a little bit more that I know there's a bad part we can't get to. Oh, we'll the thing you're ready to play a little bit later this morning. There he comes. I'll start cooling out my hair. Yeah. I'm gonna cover myself with the ashes of you. And nobody's gonna give a damn. Yeah, quick, quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security this morning. As you know, it's gonna be cold for the next few days. It's gonna be not exactly as cold as it is today, as Brad Ditt says this morning. But today, right now, 26.2 degrees outside. Today, the high will be around 40 degrees overnight, the low down to 30s, the low 30s, we think. Clear, no rain in the forecast until Monday or Tuesday this coming week, so maybe a little bit of chance in here if you need to plant a little fescue. If you need some advice, my phone number is 404-872-0750. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Pete in Cartersville is on the air right now. Hey, Pete, good morning. Morning. Hey, what's up? Uh, I've got a uh, Japanese maple, uh, lace maple, that a friend has given me, and that's still in her yard, moving <laughs> out of state, and uh, she's given it to me, and I need to dig it up and move it to my my house. I love those gifts. It's, uh, you can have it if you can dig it up. <laughs> yeah. Get it over there. So how tall is it right now, Pete? Uh, it's about four foot tall, All right. uh, about an inch and a half caliper. How wide? About uh, five feet. Mm, that's going to be a day's worth of digging. I can see that right now. It's important that it be really soft soil, soggy soil almost. And so if you think it's dried out some or if the rain maybe doesn't come in time for you to do what you need to do, I frankly could put a hose out there, and even though right now I know it rained earlier in the week and the ground is still pretty soft, I want it to be soggy when I dig a tree that size up because I want all the roots that I possibly can to easily ease themselves out of the soil, and I have to pop them and cut them and break them off. So soggy soil first. Number two, shovel around the drip line of the Japanese maple all the way around the outside of the drip line. And then just go underneath and heave and pull and get somebody on the other side to cut a couple of roots where you need to. Get it up onto a piece of tarp. Blue tarp works great. Slide it over to the truck. Put it up on the back of the truck. Bring it to the house. Have a new place ready for it, Pete. Put it in the ground. Easy peasy. If you water during the summertime next year, it'll probably establish itself very nicely. And you'll have a nice Japanese maple. But the big thing is to make it soggy before you dig. The 757 at News Talk WSB 404 872 0750 on Lawn and Garden. We'll be back after news.